welcome back to a solo episode of the Brainstorming Basketball Podcast. There is so much NBA to catch up on, and I can't wait to get started. Last night, the Los Angeles Lakers looked pretty decent against a wounded Miami Heat team. To be fair, the Lakers were also very wounded. This Laker team is so <laughs> up and down. People, Some people are calling them the most exciting team in the league. Exciting is not the word for it. I would say they're the most dramatic team in the league. This team, when you watch them, every game pretty much comes down to the wire. They have such a roller coaster of emotions throughout the game, whether it's Westbrook's turnovers, whether it's Davis falling down and you don't know whether he's going to get up or not. This team is all over the place. And last night, they had Malik Monk show up. The thing with this Laker team that I want to emphasize is that, yes, they have a lot of talent, but the thing is, and a lot of talent that's not playing currently, including Taylor Horton Tucker, LeBron James. Now Austin Reeves is going to be out for a few weeks. Um, they're also missing Trevor Ariza and Kendrick Nunn. But the thing is about this Laker team is when those guys come back, they're going to take away from guys like Malik Monk. They're going to take away from guys like Carmelo Anthony. So as much as I want to applaud the Lakers for what they're doing, the, the notion that they're injured doesn't really hold that much weight for me besides a LeBron James and maybe a Kendrick Nunn and Taylor Horton Tucker. You can't convince me that guys like Trevor Ariza are going to be more impactful and are going to play significant minutes when he couldn't, for example, do that last season for Miami. He wasn't really a contributor for the Heat last season. Speaking of the Heat, they need to figure out their offense without Jimmy Butler because Tyler Hero, as incredible as he was last night, he was hitting some ridiculously difficult shots. And I don't know if... I do think he's gotten better. I do think Hero is a legitimate, legitimate player. But I don't know if that's going to be sustainable in a big game. The, the guy that I'm looking at with Miami is Kyle Lowry because if Kyle Lowry doesn't step up, especially offensively, they are in trouble in, in close late playoff games. They don't have many guys that you can just give the ball to and get a basket. Their offense is really predicated on Jimmy or Tyler, you do something for us, or we're going to hope that we get like one of those cutters just cuts wide open to the basket for a backdoor layup. They don't have guys that you can throw the ball into and just say, go get a basket. With that being said, this Laker team, to win any game at this stage of the season is monumental for them because the West is going to be very cluttered between probably like the 5 seed and the 10 seed. Every game is going to be very, very important, and this team is definitely capable of of being right in that race between them, the Clippers, the Mavericks, Portland, maybe Sacramento. They're right in there, which is pleasant to see. Moving on, the Eastern Conference, now that we see what Miami kind of is more more or less made of, the East, who is the best team in the East right now? Chicago looks incredible. But do you really, really believe in them if it's really just Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan continuously leading the charge? I get that Lonzo's 
very helpful. I get that Vooch has his nights. Caruso's been incredible. Besides that, do you trust Ayo Dosunmu in a playoff game right now? I don't know. Derek Jones Jr., I don't know. Those guys have been guys that have had, I mean, not Io, but Derek Jones Jr., Troy Brown Jr., those fringe rotation players have had moments where they look like they can stay in a rotation for a playoff series, and then they have moments where they're completely unplayable. Guys like Tony Bradley, Alizé Johnson. The Bulls are going to need all hands on deck if they want to be a serious contender. And yes, the top guys look great, but I'm not yet convinced that this team is going to win the East unless they get something else. Maybe that's Kobe White. We're going to have to wait and see. Maybe it's just consistent Vooch minutes. But guys like Javante Green, guys like Derrick Jones Jr., I need to wait and see if they can actually be helpful pieces on a legitimate contender. Brooklyn, on the other hand, Brooklyn's starting to look incredible again, and especially Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is on one of those hot streaks that he tends to go on a couple times a year where he's just the most unguardable player maybe to ever play the game. The craziest thing about the Nets has been them finding something in LaMarcus Aldridge. I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge, God bless his soul, he was pretty much out of the league because of the heart condition last season. And now this season, he's just coming in popping mid-ranges. Like he's popping, I don't know, he's just playing pop a shot out there. And it's it's crazy to see because you have Carmelo on the West Coast doing it. You got Aldridge on the East Coast doing it. And both right now are legitimate six-man-of-the-year candidates. So that's that's one of the biggest surprises to me of the season. With that being said, another six-man-of-the-year candidate is Montrez Harrell of the Wizards, and they are also tied for first in the East. With Washington, it's just, is this really sustainable? Like, we know that they have talent, right? But... Again, Montrez Harrell is one of those guys that he does this pretty much almost every year. And at some point along the line, he runs out of gas. He can't dunk the ball as ferociously as he did at an earlier part of the season. And then his defensive limitations show up. The fact that the Wizards are so reliant on guys like Trez, guys like um, Kuzma, I don't know how sustainable that is because those guys have proven throughout their track record that they're more inconsistent than consistent. And the thing about the Eastern Conference is night in and night out is going to be a battle unless you're playing Orlando or Detroit. And that even still might be a battle. The East is loaded. There's 13 legitimate, you can argue, good teams in the Eastern Conference. So the fact that the Wizards have started hot I don't think that that is going to be sustainable. What I do think will be sustainable is the Philadelphia 76ers. And that's partially because when you look around the league, they're, they're arguably the deepest team in the NBA. From top to bottom, Joel Embiid is, I think, a top five player in the NBA. You add in a Tyrese Maxey who's taking a leap forward, Tobias Harris, Andre Drummond, Matisse Thybul. Shake Milton, Furkan Korkmaz, they have so many guys that they can throw out at you at any given point in time, and they 
you know, we know about Doc Rivers' track record in the playoffs. I didn't even mention Seth Curry, who is arguably now their second best player. They have so many guys that can beat you, and they have that chip on their shoulder because of the Ben Simmons situation. They have the ability to potentially add a piece or two at the deadline due to the Simmons situation. So this team is not even the full four Sixers that we might see come playoff time. This is the team, when I look around, you know, we talked about the Wizards, the Bulls, the Sixers, and the Nets. The Sixers are really the team, and Miami, the Sixers are the team that I still think is being underrated. They're also 2-0 and against my Chicago Bulls. So this team, you should not be sleeping on them at all because they are a legitimate, legitimate force in the Eastern Conference. The team that I want to mention in the East that I feel like is making some strides in the right direction is the Boston Celtics. The Celtics, they started out really slow and they had to have the team meeting and things were really tumultuous for them early on. Ever since that point, they have found some sort of, I don't know if it's chemistry, I don't know if it's just effort. They've emptied the tank in terms of I guess it is effort because when you watch them play compared to before the team meeting, they do look like a team that is trying a lot harder. There was a report that came out that the veterans are trying to get them to have team dinners on the road and to just build a stronger bond with their unit. And it's showing off. It's showing dividends because they beat the Heat in Miami Now, last night, they go and beat Toronto at home. And not only did they beat Toronto, they kind of convincingly beat Toronto. This Celtics team is finding ways to fit their role players into certain categories. For example, Romeo Langford is now a knockdown corner three-point shooter. Josh Richardson, they're finding a role for him as a corner three-point shooter. They're letting Al Horford facilitate offense. They're letting Dennis Schroeder do his thing. Obviously, Jason Tatum. And this is all without Jalen Brown. This team has the makings of a team that is still going to be involved in the Eastern Conference race when it's all said and done. And not to mention, you got teams like the Knicks struggling now. You got Cleveland without Colin Sexton now. Again, the jury's still out, I think, on the Wizards. This Celtics team is not a team that I would sleep on going forward. I think that they're a legitimate still, I don't know about the word contender, because really I can see like six or seven teams being legitimate contenders, but I definitely think they are being slept on right now. Speaking of being slept on, another team that needs to pick it up in the bottom of the East is Indiana, because they, I mean... Them in Atlanta have gotten off to very slow starts, but a lot of it's because of just the front half of their schedule. The front, the first 10 to 15 games are so difficult that I don't know what to make of a team like Indiana. They look like, on paper, they should be a solid team. So I don't want the record of them being 4-8 and eight to fool people because... They're not a bad team. They're just a team that has limitations. And some of those limitations are the fact that when they have everybody there and healthy, Malcolm Brogdon, Karis LeVert, Chris Duarte, DeMontis Sabonis, and Miles Turner, 
they have a lot of mouths to feed and nobody is clear-cut better than anybody else I would say I think that they're all good players which causes some sort of like they have to figure out how the ball is to be distributed like last night Brogdon and Sabonis decided to take more of the offensive burden which hindered Chris Duarte's ability to score Um, and that's not an excuse for Duarte it's just that I think that this team is going to need to figure out how to play with each other. I think the talent is there, and I wouldn't sleep on Indiana, but it's going to take them some time to gel. And the thing is that that locker room was problematic last season, so do they have the patience to allow themselves the time to gel? Same thing with Atlanta. There's so many mouths to feed there that I'm not out on the Hawks. A lot of people are saying that their Eastern Conference Finals run was a fluke. I don't think fluke is the right word because I do think that they were a good team. They were fortunate that other teams were injured and Ben Simmons forgot how to shoot a layup and all that is true. But I don't think it was fluky. I think it was more fortunate. This team is not a bad team at all. They're a very, very solid team. This season, again, they had the West Coast trip early So they're getting the funk out of the way early. Atlanta's a team that I definitely think will be in the mix for the Eastern Conference title come February, March, and April. I don't think that they should be slept on. With that being said, they have to figure out a way to get that bench to be more consistent because you have nights where guys like Cam Reddish will step up and have 15 points, and then Kevin Herter will have nothing, and then vice versa. Kevin Herter will have a big night, and then Cam Reddish and guys like Danilo Gallinari will do very little. It seems like their bench is more riding the hot hand, and the thing is that any of them can be the hot hand, but it takes them... They don't have the luxury of time to figure out who it's going to be on any given night. They have an inconsistent bench that is causing them problems with their team. With that being said, they they are still a team that if you if you sleep on Atlanta you're forgetting what happened last season because the Hawks were a team last season that got off to a very very rough start i believe they were like 5 games under 500 and they of course we know what happened they ended up in the eastern conference finals so don't sleep on them the other team that i want to touch up on in the eastern conference is the Charlotte Hornets because they are I think when we use the word exciting, it's it's overused, but they are definitely one of the most exciting teams in the NBA, and that's because of LaMelo Ball. Let's not get it twisted. It's because of LaMelo Ball. It's because of the electric dunks of Miles Bridges. It's because of their amazing play-by-play announcer. They're exciting, but are they actually good, or are they more in that play-in category? When I watch them play, They are a team that the talent up top is undeniable with LaMelo Ball, with Gordon Hayward, with Miles Bridges, with Terry Rozier, with P.J. Washington. But if anybody goes down and, you know, God forbid somebody does, but it's bound to happen in this and in the course of an NBA season, the Hornets like eighth through 15th guys are just not going to be able to sustain that that level of play of the top guys and especially with their bigs they don't have the luxury of one of them getting hurt 
uh, Plumlee and Washington are pretty much the only bigs on their whole roster that they can even rely on for any sort of extended minutes. And that's already asking a lot of those two. With Charlotte, I'm thinking that they're probably looking like an 8 to 10 seed in the East. And even that might be generous because we just mentioned the fact that I think Boston, Atlanta, and Indiana are all going to pick up their play. Charlotte's going to need to pick up their play to keep pace with these teams in the Eastern Conference. I don't think that that's being unfair to the Hornets. I think the East is just that talented as of now. With all this being said, the best team in the East right now to me, probably by default, uh, is is between the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks again. This has an opportunity to change 18 different times before now in the end of the season. But as of now, the way Kevin Durant is playing, he's playing like a top two player in the world, and so is Giannis. And the fact is the Bucks haven't had Middleton, DiVincenzo, or Brooke Lopez so far for the majority of this season. They're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. There's no need to panic about the Bucks. The Nets are also probably going to be fine. I'm more certain about the Bucks being fine than I am about the Nets because the Nets thing is really, do you count on LaMarcus Aldridge? Do you count on guys like a Patty Mills to not get exposed in a playoff series defensively? They have a lot more question marks for me, but I think those are the top two in the East. I think Philly is potentially in that group. I think Chicago is potentially in that group. I think Atlanta can join that group. I think Boston is interesting for sure. The Knicks are very hot and cold as well, and they need to figure out their bench as well. It's still early enough in the season where teams are figuring out what guys are going to be which roles for them. So I'm not going to overreact to any Knicks stuff yet. I think the Knicks are a team that is going to be reliant on home court advantage, on momentum, on adrenaline, on things that are more energy-based. Not to say that they're not talented, because they are a talented team, but they are a team that, at least at the top of their roster, might not have the star-level talent that a Brooklyn Nets have, maybe even that uh, Chicago Bulls or Philadelphia 76ers or Milwaukee Bucks have. Uh, But we'll see about the Knicks. Overall, in the NBA right now, nobody, and I mean nobody, is playing at the level of the Golden State Warriors. They are must-see TV every night. And the biggest reason for that is not really Steph Curry, although it is Steph Curry. It's not totally Steph Curry. It's just their overall team swag and team chemistry. They have so much fun playing the game. They make you want to go to your local pickup uh, runs and go run five on five and pass the ball and play the right way. They have guys like Otto Porter, Andrew Wiggins, Juan Toscano-Anderson, Andre Iguodala, all their role players, Nemanja Bialica. Everybody on their entire roster is bought in to what they're trying to create, the culture that they've created And it is so pleasant to see because this team, this is what the Warriors were kind of before Kevin Durant got there. 
uh, a team just full of just passing, cutting, beautiful basketball. And Steph is the straw that stirs the drink, obviously, because the defense is so strong on following him around that it gets everybody else open. But that's not to take away from what these other guys have done. Last night, Andrew Wiggins was sensational. Jordan Poole has had moments this season where he's been phenomenal. Draymond Green is dunking the ball like it's 2014. It's unfortunate that he got hurt last night. They have everybody contributing. And that's not even to mention the fact that Klay Thompson and James Wiseman are not available yet. And that's not also to mention the fact that you don't know what's going to happen later in the season. There's a chance that Jonathan Kaminga might be able to give them some valuable minutes off the bench. We just don't know because he hasn't had the luxury of opportunity to develop yet because they're so deep. When it's all said and done, as of this moment in time, Golden State is a little bit ahead of everybody else. Not light years ahead, like Bob Myers would like to say, but a little bit ahead. Actually, that might have been Joe Lacob that said that. But regardless, the Warriors are the team right now in the Western Conference and in the NBA. Other than that, listen, we got Bulls and Warriors Friday night. That's going to be a game to test out both teams' strengths. I can't wait to see it. We're going to get Harry and Yosef back on the podcast after that game on Friday to discuss all things NBA, especially if the Bulls win. You know that it's going to be an exciting time to be a Bulls fan. Kobe White's about to be back. The Bulls are going to be fun to watch. The NBA is fun to watch. Thank you, as always, for listening. We're going to be doing more of these solo podcasts coming up soon. So stay tuned for more. And as always, thank you for your support. Until next time, Armand out.